0: For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It is finally October. It's what we've been waiting for. Uh, states across the country with all of your October 1 openers. Hey, it is your time. The rut is right around the corner. A couple weeks away, the weather is starting to turn. And, uh, man, it's got me fired up. I, I spent a couple of days out in the uh, out in the timber and in the marsh in Wisconsin over the last weekend. Had an encounter with a really, really good buck. Hopefully, I'll... Uh, be able to get back in there soon and kind of seal the deal there. I have a pretty good idea of where he's betting. He decided to jump up out of his bed when I was about 15 yards away from him, but uh, I backed out of there, put a camera up, so we'll see how that turns out. But I hope you're having some luck. I hope you're getting out, getting some hunting in. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting about a topic that is, uh, I think, really important for this time of year, and that's the issue of hunting pressure. Now, studies have shown that Hunting pressure really quickly changes the way whitetails behave and move across the landscape. It can lead to, you know, deerless sits and frustrating hunting uh, for the guy that wants to say, hey, I'm going to use the same old access routes. I'm going to hunt the same old stands. I don't want to change anything up. I just want to go in and have a relaxed hunt. But for those who are willing to get creative and sort of put in some work, hunting pressure can actually be your friend, whether that's hunting pressure that you're putting on the property or hunting pressure that others are putting on a property, if you can understand and capitalize on how deer patterns shift and change when pressure heats up, you can really, really get yourself into some great hunting. Now, in this episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I'm talking with Dan Johnson, host of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and the Hunting Gear podcast about that issue of adjusting to hunting pressure. Dan hunts a couple of different farms, and he really doesn't have exclusive access to any of these. And in fact, he says in the podcast, one of his farms might as well be public because there's a ton of guys who can also hunt it. Now, sometimes the adjustments that one needs to make uh, are pretty major. Like sometimes you just need to scratch areas off altogether. Sometimes, though, the adjustments that you need to make are, are just pretty subtle. In fact, Dan's buck that he killed last year is a good example of a subtle change that he made based on what he knew the buck was doing and based on what he knew other hunters on that property were doing. But hey, one thing is for sure, if you hunt the entire season with the same strategy and in the same location that you hunted on opening day, the odds of you having regular encounters with deer are really, really slim. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. Dan's going to talk about how he makes adjustments and stays on deer despite and sometimes because of hunting pressure. If you like the content we're launching here each and every week on the How to Hunt Deer podcast, do me a favor, head over and leave us a review wherever you access this podcast. If you can, leave us a written v- review. That really, really helps, us out, helps other folks find this podcast. Also lets them know, uh, hey, this isn't a bad podcast to listen to. And lets me know some things that you guys might want to see a little bit different. So you can also check us out on Instagram. That page is up and going. That is the best way to reach out to me. If you have questions, if you have ideas, if you have guests or topics that you would like to recommend to me, go give me a follow there. You can keep up with all that I'm doing this fall. You can also communicate with me there. Let me know anything that you think I need to hear. Also, if you have success this fall, please, please tag me in your photo. I want to see what listeners of this podcast are putting on the ground. So hit me up on there. I'd love to hear from you. And then finally, this is the the time of year that uh, – as I said earlier, we're jacked, right? Like, we're pumped. We're ready to get into the woods. We want to take advantage of everything that the whitetail world offers us this time of year. But let's remember, hunting isn't just about what we can take from our natural resources. It's about what we can give back. And one way that we can give back is by joining the National Deer Association. They're doing great work for conservation as well as hunter recruitment, hunter education. They have a ton of great resources on their website. So you can go there, check out their resources, and learn more at deerassociation.com. And finally, before we jump into the episode, I've got to shout out my partners. My goodness, I could not do what I do each and every week if it wasn't for these brands. First of all, Tacticam. Man, I love their gear. I got out this past weekend, was doing some hunting, doing some self-filming just like always, and I'm carrying in the camera base and the camera arm and the, you know, the larger camera with the microphone on top and it's all this setup and all this weight and all this stuff to carry in. And then when it comes time to hang one of my tacticams to get kind of a second angle, it's a breeze. I just clip it to a branch, either beside me or behind me or in front of me or whatever to get a wide shot view of, of where I'm hunting. Also, I've got one on my uh, on my bow stabilizer. I don't even think about it. And then when it's time for to turn these things on, I just click one button on the remote control and they all turn on at the same exact time. So love these point of view cameras then you go back and you look at the footage it's like man i got 4k footage out of this little bitty tiny camera and i didn't have to have all the camera arm and all the junk and you know all the extras that come along with trying to film your hunts so uh, you know it seems like more and more guys are looking to film your hunts and if you're looking to do that let me encourage you tacticam is the simplest cheapest way that you can do this Uh, Beyond maybe using your phone, but there are lots of problems with using your phone. I tried using my phone. I didn't like it. Tacticam, though, solves those problems for me. Uh, First and foremost, the problems were adapters and the ability to uh, actually have something to hold your phone well. Now, there are lots of things out there that will hold your phone. I'm saying I want something that's going to hold it well. I want something that's going to do a good job. And when you're trying to film on your phone, you can't use your phone. And if you're like me and you're always looking at on eggs or checking messages or catching up on emails or whatever in the tree stand, you don't want to have your phone out on a camera arm. You want to, you know, be using it. So anyway, go check out all their gear, tacticam.com, or you can check out their cell cameras at revealcellcam.com. Next up, Deer Lab. They are the number one app for land managers and for hunters. It helps you store, organize, and analyze your trail camera data all in one place so that you're not cluttering up your computer so that you're not losing it, and so that you can really get the most out of the data so that you can make data-driven decisions when it's time to head out into the field. You can get a 30-day free trial right now on their website, DeerLab.com. You can also use the code HUNTDEER, that's HUNTDEER, all caps, for 20% off of any of their plans. And then finally, Huntworth, these guys are absolutely killing it with their new line of heat boost clothing. I'm pumped for November to roll around so that I can actually start wearing some of that stuff. I was able this past weekend to actually wear the Elkins jacket for the first time. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've worn it around the house, but I haven't worn it hunting because it just hasn't been cool enough. Uh, when I've hunted, I've been wearing the uh, the Shelton midweight hoodie. So um, the Elkins uh, midweight jacket is a little bit thicker, uh, keeps you a little bit warmer. So I got to wear that with the Durham pants. Now I'm still rocking the lightweight pants because you know you throw some underlayers, on uh, some base layers on underneath those and they're great and i gotta say the reinforced knees in those uh durham lightweight pants for a saddle hunter man that is huge that is that is fantastic and these things are tough i beat them up this weekend i was going through briars i was going through all kinds of thick nasty stuff and they held up did a great job that elkins jacket too super quiet very very quiet i was in a bedding area on just a really, really still afternoon. And as I was getting it on and sort of moving around in the stand, it caught my attention just how quiet this jacket was. So I would advise you go check out their gear, not only for the Durham pants and the Elkins jacket, but also for their new heat boost gear. It's going to really come in handy as we start to get into some cooler weather. Those cold fronts of late October start rolling through early November when you really want to be out in the woods. So go check them out, HuntworthGear.com. Now let's jump into the episode talking about adjusting to hunting pressure with Dan Johnson. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I've got the emperor himself of the Sportsman's Empire podcast network, Mr. Dan Johnson. What's up, Dan? Not too much, man. Not too much. Uh,
0: I tell you what, it is... If you want to call it a cold front, a little... It's going to be a little one, but it's going to be like two days long to where the temperature is going to be dropping somewhere about 10 to 15 degrees over the next two days. And so... It, and there's off and on rain a little bit, nothing like a nothing major. But I will say this: uh, I'm I'm excited about getting out in the woods, and I'm gonna have my first Iowa sit Thursday and Friday of this week.
1: No kidding. So you're you're getting out. All right. Yep. I'm All getting right. out. I wanna I wanna hear what's what is getting Dan Johnson out. Like do do subtle cold fronts get you excited for getting out? Like. We have a lot of those down here in Georgia is, is why I ask. We don't get a ton of the like 20 degree temperature shift kind of things, but we'll get, you know, a, a front rolls through over two days. So you get a, an eight degree drop on one day and an eight degree drop the next day. Did those subtle cold fronts get you fired up or not quite as much as the big ones?
0: No. And I, I'll tell you why I'm going hunting. Um, Number one, the cold fronts don't usually, like uh, early to mid-October, the cold fronts don't usually, aren't aren't a huge deciding factor anymore to get out into the woods, right? Sure. the The factor in play here is I have a brand new farm, right? I have trail cameras on it. That's it. So this is going to be an intel collecting mission where I'm going to go check these trail cameras. But while I'm in there, I might as well hunt because it's season. So yep. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go onto this new this new property. I'm going to set up tree stands and then just leave them there. So when I come back for the rut or late October, they're going to be there ready for me to. Um, so in a way, I'm, I'm being mobile now uh, and. Uh, I'm going to kind of see where the trails, how the deer are moving through the, this so I know if I need to make an adjustment before the rut or uh, or I'm, I'm in the right spot. So I have some places already picked out through e-scouting. I'm going to show up Thursday. I'm going to go set a, a, a tree stand in what I, what I look at as a, a place that is on, on a map, on terrain, from scouting. Uh, you know walk I've already walked the property once I say to myself this looks like a good spot that deer will work during the rut during the the late October time frame or just natural deer movement in general and so I'm going to put a tree stand up in in, uh, these spots and uh, and then I'll have them there for the rut to fall back on uh, if something goes wrong and uh, I need to go back to uh, a same spot or uh, Um, I can use that as a, as a base, basically a base camp for then going mobile.
1: Gotcha. So when you go in on Thursday, are you going to be, I mean, obviously you're hanging stands. Are you sitting one of the stands? That's going to be a more high percentage area for a shot, or are you backing off a little bit to kind of sit observation? Uh,
0: a little bit of it has to do with what the wind is going to be doing in, 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 that scenario. Um, I have, it looks like Thursday is going to be a West wind, but then Friday night, it looks like it's going to be a North wind North is going to be a little tricky for me on this farm, but the, uh, the West wind is going to be perfect. So if I get the West wind, I'm going in and I'm going into a really, uh, what I'm going to, uh, what I think, uh, based off of all the principles that I've learned throughout the years I'm going to um I'm I'm gonna set up in a really good spot. You know, it's like a funnel. It's a crit crossing where all of these all of these terrain features meet. It's a really I I think it's gonna be a really good spot. It reminds me of other really good spots that I've hunted on different farms. So I'm going in. Now on Friday night, and I think I'm gonna go right back to that stand on Thursday morning. Or excuse me, on Friday morning. So I'll hunt that stand two times in a row, then I'll pull out, and then next on that Friday night, depending on what the wind direction is, if I get a north wind, I'm gonna have to hunt on the south side of the property um, in more of an observation set to see kind of what's coming out uh, of the this this little uh, block, this these fingers that kind of connect to a, a block of timber, but. If it's, if it's not, then I'm going to go into a different spot. If it's more west or has any north-northwest or things like that, then I'll go into a different spot, set, set a different tree stand up, and kind of prep for that as well. So a lot of it uh, is going to be determined by the uh, the wind direction.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, you've been out lately. You You were doing some scouting. I saw on Instagram – Uh, you were out, look, man, the one spot that you were at that had like three trails converging. I was like, yes, Dan is going to kill a deer there this, this November. Um, but uh, you also found something that you didn't want to find. Right. uh, Or you did, you didn't find find something something you did want to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You got a trail camera stolen. Was that on an older property or was that on this new one?
0: So I, so I lost this farm, right? And so the landowner said to me, Hey, you got to get all your stuff out of there. And so I went to go take down a trail camera. Okay.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: So I went in there, but, uh, before that I called him, I said, Hey, um, when's your property going to be sold? Uh, you know, there, there was this, there was a lot of drama, with the people who were renting their house to try to get them out. Like this is no joke. That landowner or the, the guy renting the house pulled a gun on the landowner. And so the the authorities had to get involved. This guy, uh, like, I don't know, just crazy. And so the landowner didn't want us to go back there. He didn't want to sell the property to anybody while this guy was still renting the house. So they had to get him out before He could start taking people back there to show them the property to, you know, have walkthroughs and things like that. So I called him up, you know, all things considered, it's probably going to be like 30 plus more days before it gets sold, uh, you know, so where the the actual possession is transferred over to somebody else. So I just straight up asked him, hey, do you mind if I hunt? It's hunting season. Do you mind if I hunt while this is all taking place? And he says, yeah, that's fine. And that's going to give me the ability to go in and hunt that farm. And then take down my tre- uh, tree stands and other trail cameras, hopefully, that are still there. But anyway, I went back to this spot to pull a camera, check the card, and sure enough, it, was, it wasn't it was there. And so, man, it, I, I was walking into this ridge where I had all this action last year. And long story short, the trails were just beat down. I saw two really good, well-used beds. Um No real scraping or uh, rubbing activity, but last year there was no scrapes or rubs on this little ridge, but that's where all the big deer were hanging out. I have trail camera, you know, data to prove it. Anyway, uh, that, that trail camera wasn't there when I went to go check it and, uh, it frustrated me a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm just like numb to this stuff. Like people, if, if a person's going to be a dirt bag, they're going to be a dirt bag and, uh, they, they're going to steal my stuff, whether it's cabled to the tree. I mean, I've had, I've had cable locks cut, I've had trees cut down and then the cable lock pulled off of it. So if people are going to do it, I mean, I can't sit there and police, uh, all the farms that I hunt. And so if, uh, if a person wants to be a, a dirt bag, they can be a dirt bag and, and there's nothing I can really do about it.
1: Yeah. But man, it sounds like now you've got the opportunity, uh, to go in and hunt this place. Like you lost it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. That's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah. You best believe that any opportunity I get on this farm now, I'm going to be making the most aggressive moves possible. I'm going to be cutting the wind. Like, uh, like it's my last hunt ever. Right. So, um, Access routes are still going to play an important role. Wind direction is still going to play an important role, but I'm going to be real aggressive with how that wind uh, travels across the terrain and how I set up.
1: Man, that's awesome. You've yeah. got, I mean, total freedom at this point, because it, your every hunt there may be your last one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dude, that's awesome. Well, yeah. so the, the whole thing with the trail camera um, – brought up to mind uh, a topic that I wanted to talk to you about that I think a lot of guys are going to be running up against here in this first week even the second third week of October and that is the issue of hunting pressure yeah and how that hunting pressure begins to impact deer movement yeah so um, I I just want to ask first of all like how does hunting pressure factor in on the farms that you hunt because I know uh, even though you're not hunting public you don't have exclusive
0: access to these properties right 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 so uh, the farm that I just lost I mean you might as well, you might as well call it public the amount of people that uh, traveled through there uh, my main farm uh, that I've been, spent the last however many years man this year's been rough there you know I have cell cams out there as well and I'm looking at I'm watching the, the pictures come in and it's just like people on side by sides, dog, wild dogs, um, you know, people just walking through the woods. And so it's really frustrating when you, when, when you have these high hopes and these high expectations for certain places, and then you have people just kind of driving all over the place, whether the landowner knows it or not, which I have a feeling she doesn't know. Um, that these people are, or, or they don't know that these people are, are you know, kind of cruising around, but other than that, uh, it's just one of those things where y- you just, I, I you just kind of deal with it. And so um, there's, you know, I, I don't lease any property as of right now. I don't know if I would say I have any exclusive rights. Uh, on, on these permission pieces. And so I have to share it and I have to learn how to hunt around the pressure. And that pressure then is, um, but at the same time, I think a lot of people think that pressure is other people, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. you are also pressure. You are pressure too, not you know, like you can't just pass the, the pressure blame onto the other people you share property with, or it's like, oh man, that, that, that property is so pressured, but you're still going in there all the time and, and you're pressuring it too. You're adding to that. And, and so you, that's where you have to be really smart. You have to be, in my opinion, you have to be really mobile. And, uh, those things right there can help a guy hunt a pressured piece of property, uh, a, a little bit better.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I've hunted on some places, Dan, that are a little bit deceptive when it comes to to hunting pressure. So, like, yeah. maybe the trails and roads in and out don't really lend themselves to, like, oh, there's been tracks down here. Maybe you can't really tell very well. Right. Or, you know, there's no parking lots that are heavily used. Are you doing anything to kind of monitor the pressure that is on your property so that you have an idea? Or is it just kind of like, hey, I've hunted this long enough that I've got a backlog backlog of experience that says – these guys are on it.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. The uh, cell cams have been a real big indicator of that, you know, since I started using them. But then trail cameras in general have been. So, uh, you know, on a, a lot of my farms, all my cell cams have to be up high, closer to the roads where more people are going to be at anyway. Um, but then when you get down into the the river bottoms, the, self, the cell cams don't work just and like my cell phones don't even work down in there. So you have to. Uh, so then, just collecting that data over time, and and so what what I find is th- like trends, right? Like certain times a year that people go in there and they mess around. Like it, right now, the weather is cooling down. It's nice to be outside, so people are driving their four wheelers all over the place just for like joy rides, and then you have. The groups of people, uh, let's say the I don't want to say ill prepared per se, but the, the other hunters I share the farm with, they're they're going in in October and late September to to go do a whole bunch of tree stand and, and uh timber work in like uh, trim out new uh, tree stands or go check their trail cameras or things like that. When I've got all that done in July, so yep. that right there. It's just like that pressure is so close to the hunting season that it. I I feel like it could potentially have an impact if you're not smart about it. With that said, then, when the season comes and I have to deal with this, this pressure, then I make uh, adjustments uh, strategically to avoid or flank said pressure.
1: Yeah, man, I, I think that that is such an un... Um gosh, maybe people just don't consider pressure quite enough. And I really like the point you brought up. Like we don't consider ourselves as pressure, right? Like we're like, oh, everybody else is going in there and just bumbling through the timber. We go in, man, we're super surgical. We're precise. We're invisible, you know, and and there, and the deer never know. And right. But I I think we have to get a bigger picture of this. And I learned this lesson really, really well this past weekend in Wisconsin. So I went out to a piece of property uh, where I have a bunch of trail cameras and I didn't have any ac- uh, any monitoring this access trail, so I had no idea how much pressure was there. This particular parking lot gets a ton of activity, but it's not all from hunters necessarily. Right. So I go back in assuming it's the first weekend of October. Uh, season has been open for a couple of weeks. I'm going to go push into this bedding area, and I think I need to push in a good ways and be pretty aggressive because it should have received some pressure by now. Well, I go in there the first thing I do is jump a really good buck right on the edge of bedding, right where he shouldn't have been had he yeah. received any pressure. So I back out and I circle, uh, circle back around to this bedding area from another direction where I know there's some other bucks bedding, and I bust another one right on the very edge. And, you know, that tells me, okay, these bucks have not been pressured like I thought they would have been by now. Like, yeah. th- it's just not happening. But I hang a couple of trail cameras back in there, a couple of cell cameras, and I've been watching the reactions of these deer to the scent that I left behind by putting these trail cameras in these new spots that I hadn't had them. And they are losing their minds. Like they walk up on the area and they are bolting from, yeah. my, from my scent. So they're responding really, really quickly and really, really negati- negatively to just a little a little bit of pressure. So we got to take this stuff into consideration. Dan, when you come to a spot that you realize, okay, it's being pressured, how do you address that? Like, are are you thinking about it in your mind of like, all right, I'm writing this spot off. I'm done with this area. Or are you saying, how do I use this to my advantage?
0: Yeah. And, And that from a from a strategic, from a learning curve standpoint is is probably one of the hardest things that I ever had to learn because you sit here and you you say to yourself, okay, there's pressure, it's going to push the deer back, blah, blah, blah. But deer bed in certain places or hang out in certain places because they feel comfortable in those places, right? So for the perfect example is you walked into uh, that property, the deer bumped out of there, Guess what? They felt comfortable there. Now, yep. what he's what he's gonna do is he's gonna come back to that area at some point, and he's gonna say, you know what? I feel really safe here because uh, I pressure or uh, pressure came in, a threat came in, I identified it, I ran away, I was safe. Right? They don't necessarily think like that. They're more binary. Like I'm scared, run. I'm scared, run. But if they're if they're comfortable in these areas and they are walking away from an encounter unharmed it just reinsures them that 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 area is safe for them now as 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 a hunter i look at that and i go okay i jumped a deer there i should i i'm gonna give it maybe some time or i'll hunt it immediately and come back there the next morning and maybe he'll he'll you know come back to it that that next morning or he'll come back to it the morning after that whatever but that reassures me that that deer are there and so one thing that i i mean it's really tough because when it comes to spooked deer and pressure i've seen it both ways i've i've bumped a deer where they've gone and I didn't see him again for uh, until the next year, right? They, th- I bumped them. It was a hard enough bump or they, they caught my scent in a tree stand or something like that. And they're just like, I'm out of here. And I never saw them again until the next year. Then there's examples where I got busted and they were back in that same area a day later or two days later. And so I saw them again and they weren't necessarily working the same terrain, the, the same trail, but they made an adjustment to avoid that area a little bit, right? So it really is hard to to say that deer is gonna run or that deer is gonna gonna leave and then come back. So so you know there, but there's always some kind of line, I feel, you know, there's a if you if you take two lines, right, the the one line is you, the other line is the deer. As that line gets closer to the deer, that deer line comes uh, further away from you, right? So you're just keep pushing and then they, they just respond and they respond. Now, if you're smart about it and the pressure is somewhat low, that line may not change that much. But as a flood of people come into, let's just use public land, for example, that line's going to get pushed back. So you have to find that line and then find terrain features within that line, the new bedding areas where the deer are hanging out, uh, potentially new, new food sources. Uh, and then you have to make those, those wind adjustments and access adjustments accordingly.
1: Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers their gear is made by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen archery openers are just around the corner and tacticam just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level topping the list is their 6.0 point of view camera providing 4k footage in a user-friendly waterproof package they've also just released the new solo extreme giving you hd footage 3 to 8x zoom and one touch operation that you've come to expect from your tacticam point of view camera Tacticam's lineup of cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, they just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellcam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target, and you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free 30-day trial, and then when you're ready to buy, use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's a really good point about sort of the line of the pressure because, yeah. I mean, we've all heard it before. You know, most guys love to go into their spot, and they may they may walk a mile down an access trail that's really well-groomed, but they're not going to get more than 100 yards off of that trail or 50 yards off of that yeah. trail or whatever it is. But if you can identify where that line is, where the deer feel comfortable, you can have some really good hunting without having to just go nuts and, you know, and, and push way past the pressure. Like, you can have really good hunts not much further than sort of that pressure line that already uh, already exists. Yep. How quickly on the farms that you hunt are you seeing the deer begin to adjust to that pressure? Like, so let's say that line is is moving a little bit further every week as hunters push a little further into the timber how fast are you seeing the deer adjust and say oh we're we're pulling back a little bit more because we feel the pressure is it pretty
0: immediate so what led me to identify this is multiple years of um of sitting in the tree and watching it so the other hunters that I share the property with, they're great people. Like, they're really good people. I have a, a, a fairly decent relationship with them. They just do things a little bit different. They are uh, ladder stand guys. They go to the exact same stands every single time. And and so they're they're patternable, right? I know that mm. I, me being mobile, I can flank off that. Right now, I don't want to get in their bubble per se, and I don't want to hunt like right on top of them. But I will hunt um, a flanking terrain feature or up a a ridge from them, maybe the same ridge, but just up far enough to where I don't feel like I would be ruining their hunt at all. Um, And and so what this has done over the years is it has established a new daytime moving Uh, a a trail let's just say it's a specific trail off of a ridge they're not during the daylight those deer first off let me back up those deer aren't stupid right they've survived for this long because they know threats and how to identify threats so when that guy comes in and he walks in there they somewhat know right when they when he leaves gets out of the stand at dark And they're already on their feet, they somewhat know, right? And so, or they come to this area after the fact and then they identify that. And and that can happen with me too, right? But they do it over again and over again and over again and over again. And so historically, what this has done is it has pushed the deer movement away. In this, through the same terrain feature, but just outside of shooting lanes or shooting range from their, their solid locked locations. And I'm able to, uh, I'm able to make adjustments off that and move in. And this year is an, an absolute perfect example where, you know, they, uh, these deer were running the, these, this two Ridge system and this. This system kind of made a U, okay? And up on the top of the U was, uh, was an ag field, right? So I had a, a one trail camera picture of them in one spot, another trail camera picture of them in another spot. And so I moved in and basically assumed that they're running this, this ridge connection and the reason i moved in because i asked the guys hey what are you where are you hunting tonight i don't want to ruin your hunt they said we're not going to hunt tonight and so i went in immediately flanked that their tree stand location and sure enough that uh the buck showed up and i shot him so he was he was running that area just they would have never saw him from that tree stand location. They would have uh, no shot opportunity from that location. And so what it did was it just, I was able to sneak in, set up, the deer showed up, and I shot him.
1: Man, that's, that's such a good illustration. I, I experienced the same thing probably, I don't know, eight or ten years ago. I was in a club in Alabama, and we had 2,000 acres. There were 20 guys on this 2,000 acres. The main road ran down this huge ridge line, and on each of the finger ridges coming off of this big ridge, there was an oil drilling platform down at the bottom, like down at the end of this little road. Yeah. So I went down, and they had a a permanent shooting house there that guys loved, man. They would just hammer these things and hunt them all year long. I went in and found there was a trail about 45 yards behind this shooting house that the people would never see. Yeah going around it and then I went further down the ridge and just where it begins to drop off to the bottom the deer were circling right there out of sight right so those deer could move all day long anytime during during shooting hours they wanted to and not have a negative interaction with somebody in that blind because they just couldn't be seen they couldn't be seen behind and they couldn't be seen just down this ridge and you know it, in, a, in a place like Alabama where you've got a rifle season that runs November through February yeah um, guns popping off creates some pretty predictable movement from the deer. If the hunters, like you said, around you are
0: predictable. Right. Right. And that's, that's huge. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and so it, it just is one of these things where it's another thing a, a guy has to think about when they're making decisions on how to access, like I'll be completely honest, access, in my opinion is the most important thing when it comes to getting to your tree stand because if you're if if you're not thinking about that and you're just walking a straight line or or not like for me i kind of live by this made-up rule uh, whether you want to call it a j-hook or I call it the rule of 90 where you're walking, your access route is walking into an area and then hard 90 degree turns up into your uh, your tree stand location. And a lot of the times how I am set up in these areas is that access route is my shooting lane. So based off of when a deer hits that shooting lane there's a there's a chance that they could they could bust me and if it's not a shooter there's a chance that they could bust me but i am in a spot where my my scent is going over a terrain feature or they're or it's slightly lower on that terrain feature and they're they're uh above me or uh they're upwind of me and so that that 90 degree hook in just makes it, I don't know. I I just, it's something that I live by now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really good. So I want to hear more about that access piece, especially in relation to other guys on your properties, right? So guys are coming in, they're parking in predictable places, especially if they're hunting tree stands that are in predictable places, you better believe they're parking in the same spot and walking in, the same flagged or night eyes or whatever you know way marked way in every time how do you adjust your access do you take advantage of the deer uh being aware that people use that access a lot or are you coming in with completely creative and novel access that the deer are just totally not used to
0: yeah so sometimes I will actually walk the same access route that they use, but then just jump into the timber down a a, a big. So for example, uh, I'll, I'll walk in the same way, but I'll cut up a hundred yards, right? And then drop down and then back up the other side of the ridge and set up. So uh, I'm on the same ridge as them. They're at the bottom right of, of the ridge, but I'm just up probably 200, 300 yards from them. And so um, the access to the same general area is is similar, but different enough to where I feel like I would be catching the 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 deer off guard. When they're hunting, right? I don't want to interfere with any access routes. I don't want to interfere with where they're parking, anything like that. I kind of do my own thing. And so what what I do is, then I come up with, basically, hunt scenario access route and what i mean by that is everything's different every time right the access route you know even if it goes from like a north to a northwest wind or uh, a south to a southeast wind that may justify a completely different access route to the same hunting location and if you have access let's let's just say uh you have 360 access meaning you could come in from the north you could come in from the south you could come in from the east or west whatever i feel that if a deer is in an area and a deer likes an area they're going and they feel comfortable there they're going to stay there so in my opinion if you have 360 access, you should be able to access that area, that stand location, you want to call it, in any wind direction, right? So um, you just have to be careful, you know, where the deer are coming from. It may it may mean, and that's why I'm mobile, it may mean you have to hunt on the opposite side of that terrain feature for one hunt. Or you have to hunt up further or down lower or whatever it is. But the access route to me is wind specific just like the hunting a, a said terrain feature or a field edge or whatever wherever you're hunting is gonna you know that's gonna change based off of the wind direction so everything is different every hunt for me in in respect to uh, access and wind direction
1: yeah man that that's really good i in in places where Um, we've got a lot of hiking, you know, in Wisconsin, man, hiking is huge, especially in the fall. Uh, bird hunting is huge and guys with their bird dogs love to get their dogs out for long walks and they love taking them out to the wildlife areas where they're going to be pheasant hunting or whatever and walk these main access trails. And I have found a ton of success using those main access trails that deer are just acclimated to people, Yeah, right? They're just used to people being there and then popping just off of those or, 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 you know, using that predictable pressure to my to my advantage or like you said just totally off the wall like I've got one spot where I come in with a canoe and man I just pop right up over the bank yeah you know for some just bulletproof very different access now it would take me five minutes to walk from the ag field to this tree stand yeah but I canoe for an hour and a half down a creek to get there yeah just so that I can be um totally stealthy when it comes to trying to hunt around the guys that are on your farms, are, is there like a consistency to the size of a window that you're giving them? Like, are you saying two or 300 yards is about where you like to be? Or are there spots where it's like, man, I can't get within half a mile of this place anymore because they hunt it so hard?
0: No. Uh, and here's where the benefit kind of comes in. These guys have limited vacation Right, so their rut is usually the first full week of November, right? And I know yep. Yep. that before that, they're not really going to be taking any time to um, any time off, and then after that, they're not going to be probably taking time off unless it's during the weekends, right? So that I I know that that first full week, they're going to go do their thing. Uh, on that. And, and, and really I just kind of hunt around that. And then after that, they're gone. And, and so I have the second and third week of November to bounce around on as needed. And so most of the time when it comes to, let's say if they're in the tree stand or if I know where they're going to be hunting, because most of the time they're hunting in the same spots, I just, I go to different spots that I've found. Um, I've gone, I, I have historically good tree stand locations in certain parts of, uh, uh, of the farm as well. So I kind of bounce back and forth to that. I'm more mobile. Uh, and, and that allows me to, to not necessarily have to worry about them at that point. Right. So, uh, if I feel like a, a deer is running the same Ridge that they're on, I, I maybe I'll go way up the ridge or way down the ridge and, and I'll be hunting the same terrain features, but not close to them. Right. So giving them their opportunity and then I'm, I'm taking my opportunity as well.
1: Yeah, that's good. What other kinds of adjustments are you making? I mean, that that's a really good one. And I think you can apply that uh, not only to, you know, I know most of the guys are off that first week of November. So I'm, you know, I may focus my time elsewhere. And then during that week, I'm going to be, you know, kind of hunting away from where they are. Right. Are you making any other kinds of adjustments? Like, are you a, are you a, Hey, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, those are my days because of pressure or, you know, what else, what other kinds of tweaks to your hunting style in general, do you make so that you can kind of avoid the impact that other people are having on the deer?
0: Yeah. So again, leading back to, Pressure is pressure no matter if you're doing it or they're doing it. I I like to stay out, right? I I got three kids. They're all in activities. I find myself being busy other places and uh, that allows me to go into when the time is really good, the late October, early November timeframe, it allows me to go into some of these places completely unpressured, right? And so, um, and I I don't want to say unpressured per se. I want to say, uh, pressured less because I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not there. So, uh, so I just, I've, I just have taught myself not only by like forcing myself, but at the same time, like having three kids, all in activities in the fall is a really good way to stay out of the timber in the really, you know, out hunting in the really, maybe not so good times a year uh if there are any type of weather events that i feel are going to be like hey man uh i need to get out like for for example one of the the big things that i look for is large windows of rain uh you know you can call that a cold front if you want i call it a, a large time frame of precipitation and so this 24 to 48 hour time frame if you have like a two day rain storm that just sits there and soaks and soaks and soaks or it's just like wet and dreary um And then the second that that last raindrop hits the ground, I'm in a tree stand already. And that's where most of my success has come uh, throughout the years. But like still, even if that happens in mid to early October, you're not necessarily, it's not the breeding season. So deer aren't stupid. Like they're not, the bucks don't have females on their brain right right then and there so you still have to be really careful and you can't just go out and rattle and and you know grunt and and make a whole bunch of noise thinking that they're just going to come straight in everything is still well thought out the the, again access 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 man that's I, i don't know how else to really put it i mean that's all i think about is access routes
1: yeah and that's huge and that's that's one of the things that i have taken away from uh Listening to you on different podcasts, whether it be your shows or whether you're on somebody else's show, uh, is that whole thing about being patient and strategic with when I hunt. So this year I have put all of my eggs in the late October into the early couple of weeks of November basket because this year is my first year with kids and activities. Right. I've got three kids. One's doing gymnastics. One's doing karate. All three are in school. The wife is working. Yeah. So it's like, man, I've got to be really strategic yep. when I use that time, not only for the sake of deer movement, but just for the sake of keeping peace at home. right? You know, just just keeping mom happy and keeping kids happy and, and all of that good stuff. I'm like waiting and biding my time before I really go in because would I rather have an early October hunt where my odds of encountering a, a, a good buck are maybe around, you know, 5 to 7%? Right. Or would I rather go on November 8th? when my odds of encountering a good buck are somewhere in the 50 plus percent range for the areas that I hunt. Right.
0: Right. Two, two things I kind of want to touch on. And number one is I'm a little bit jaded, right? Because I, I, I live, I shouldn't say jaded. Other people are probably jaded against me because I, I live in Iowa. Iowa does not have a gun season in the month of November. So I don't witness that big opening day rifle slash gun season during the rut. And that right there is what makes why Iowa is Iowa, right? That's what makes Iowa a great. So I'm, I'm hunting a, a very different deer herd than most people who have uh, rifle season throughout even October or November and things like that. So there's that. The second thing I want to say is... To someone who's listening to this and I have been talking and it's hard to, it's kind of hard to dumb it down and don't take offense to this, but you do not, to start off as a hunter, to start off, you do not need to be as critical as I am right now or as Josh is. And I feel like if you, if you just imply the walk into the woods where you think the deer are going to be with the wind in your face, right? So that it's blowing away from where you think the deer are going to be. That is still a really good method on approaching uh, hunting, right? Because if they smell you, they're going to run. And so put yourself in a position where maybe the scouting you've already done has helped you out. uh, Find a good location and then When the wind is right or you are, or you have the time walk into that area, whether you're hunting it in a ladder stand or you're mobile or you're hunting from the ground on a bucket, walk into that area with the wind in your face and then sit down and be still and be quiet. And that's still a really good method to uh, connecting on deer.
1: Yeah, man. Good reminder. Like I I can get in the weeds so bad because I love to nerd out over this stuff, but. You know, even, even on the topic of, of hunting pressure, right, So and, and adjusting to it, I did exactly what you just said. Walk into an area with the wind in my face, except I took the hunting pressure into, into account, and I said, okay, there are three different directions from which people can access this specific spot that I'm thinking about. Right. They can access from the north, from the west, or from the south. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to park in this weird spot, and I'm going to walk in from the east when the wind is directly in my face. And that is how I found the best rut spot that I've ever found before. Yeah, And I've hunted that place now for three years and had great
0: encounters all three years. Right, right. You know, super super simple. Right, and and that's that's sometimes all it takes, right? Sometimes it takes a very simple approach or the approach can be simple. And then there's other times where you have to really – break a piece down, break a property down. And, uh, uh, I trust me, I like this very simple ones better than the, the very complicated ones. I mean, who doesn't, right? So,
1: (laughs) yeah, they're a lot less stressful, man. Like, like I can just, gosh, one of the ways, you know, I've listened to you and Mark Kenyon talk before and y'all are very opposite in the sense that he seems to stress out quite a bit when it comes to, when it comes to, to deer hunting. And Man, I do the same thing. I just stress so much when yeah. it comes to hunting. And sometimes it's really nice just to say, "You know what? I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to do what's simple and do what I know exactly works." Exactly.
0: You know. Yep. I mean, well, Dan- once you can re- once you can release like uh, release the stress, and what I mean by that is not worry about it anymore. It becomes kind of second nature and it becomes easier and it you clear your brain and you're allowed to make better decisions and uh clear thoughts that aren't uh clouded by overanalyzation.
1: Yeah, for sure. And for for some reason, it's almost like I see more deer when I'm not stressing. I don't know if I'm just putting bad juju off into the into the universe yeah. and, and the deer just pick up on that, but it's like It's those really simple, no stress situations where I'm just like, Hey, I'm just going to do what, what I know works. Right. Like that's when I run into deer. Right. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Last situation I want to put in, put out there for you. You've got a buck that you're trying to hunt, right? Let's maybe even say the deer that you knew about from last year, you knew that other people's pressure was impacting the way he moved. You knew that your pressure was going to impact the way he moved. Let's say you went in there and you didn't make that kill on the day that you did. Maybe you missed him, right? You, you took the shot. You missed the deer. Now he's boogered from not only the other people but from you. How are you going to shift your, your, your strategy or your plan of attack to find him again or put the pieces together
0: again to try to figure him out? Right. Number one, trail cameras right? Trail cameras tell you a lot. If you use trail cameras, if you don't use trail cameras, then it just becomes a, uh, uh, like a waiting game, an active waiting game. You're actively waiting. And what I mean by that is I'm going to be hunting, not that specific area. Now, now did he smell me? If he smelled me, then I'm going to go hunt a different area. If I shot and missed, and I still had the wind advantage and he looked around confused and things like that. If you're hunting in the rut, they have very short memories, right? So they may not, they may connect with a doe or whatever it is. And, and they're going to lose track of what just happened anyway. Right. Branches fall out of the, uh, out of the trees all the time. I mean, deer are spooked all the time. And so uh, what I would do is I I may even keep that tree stand there and then go get another one and and hang it somewhere else along that circuit that I uh, think that he's running to. Okay. Um, So I don't know. I'm, I'm moving to other places in that circuit that I feel this deer is running to and uh, putting myself in position to uh, get a shot at him again.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All right. So closing thoughts then any last words on Pressure and how guys
0: adjust. Yeah. So just remember that you are also part of the pressure, uh, whether, you know, whether you think so, you know, whether you think you're better at accessing, uh, accessing places to hunt than the other people, you're still responsible for that. Uh, uh and then access routes, you have got to dissect your ass- access routes or not really dissect them, but just really think about them, right? Just look at a map and go, Hey, I'm parking here. I need to get to here. What's the best way to do it, given this wind direction, and how to get in there with a out bumping without bumping deer or without my wind blowing to where deer are coming from? And once you can boil it down to that, I think everything becomes a lot easier.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, Dan, thanks for your time today. Appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, hey, where do you want to point, folks?
0: Uh, I want to point folks to right here to the sportsman's empire podcast network and every i mean everything that's coming out now is beneficial to uh to a hunter i mean we have so much awesome content coming out of the sportsman's empire podcast network i mean the the wisconsin sportsman the how to hunt deer podcast which you're doing the nine finger chronicles and hunting gear podcast what i'm doing and then after that I mean, we got, whether you live in the South or you live in the, the far North, the West, the East, we have content and, and strategy and entertainment for everybody across all states. Uh, so just, uh, you know, keep, a, keep an ear out and, and uh, subscribe. Yeah,
1: man, I'm, I'm really proud of the content that's coming out of the network right now. Like, yeah. I'm really impressed. It seems like this year, across the board, I mean, it's been good historically, But across the board this year, we've added some new guys, and even the guys that have been around for a while have just really brought their A game this fall.
0: Yeah. Well, and and so we're gaining traction because everybody that is a part of the network is really good at what they do. They've had the experience now, and it's really allowing them to dissect and break down people, interview them, their interviewing skills basically – really good hunters and ask the right questions and let them tell us what we need to do. Cause like for me, I don't consider myself an expert at anything. And so all I'm doing is sharing the scenarios that have worked for me. There's other people out there who have been doing it 20 years longer than me, 10, you know, 10, 20 years longer than me. And those are the guys that I really look at. And so, uh, and, and when you can get somebody on a podcast like that and really ask them the right questions, I mean, that's what we're doing here at the Sportsman's Empire.
1: Awesome, Dan. Well, thanks for your time today.
0: I appreciate it. Hey, good luck, everybody.
1: And that is all for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said earlier, if you would, go and leave us a review. If you like what we're doing here at the podcast, please do leave us five stars. Leave us a written review if you are so inclined. Also, follow along with us on Instagram so you can see everything that we're doing as uh the fall heats up and as i especially as i move into my late october first couple weeks of november rutcation it's going to be fantastic i cannot wait to share those couple of weeks with you guys on the instagram page and uh finally hey thanks to all of our partners tacticam huntworth deer lab we appreciate them so much we want you to go and show your appreciation for those companies by supporting them because hey they support us so that I can bring you awesome content each and every week. So with all that out of the way, thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to uh, seeing you. I think I'm going to launch an episode actually tomorrow, which will be episode two of the How to Hunt Deer, Deer Camp Edition. If you're looking for more great whitetail content, head over to thesportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcasts, the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, and a whole host of other relevant outdoor content.